You are listening to Informed Decisions Podcast with Christine and Becca, where we feed you all of the information and facts you need to make your own informed decisions. I'm Christine. And I'm Becca. And today we're going to be talking about the flu, the flu shots, and prevention and treatment, and throwing out some studies for those things. All right, let's rock and roll. So, um, to start off, what do you want to start with? The actual flu? Yeah. Just start out with the actual virus and what it is. Okay, so um, as we all know, the flu is a viral infection. It attacks your um, mucosal linings, like your lungs, your nose, your throat, all that kind of stuff. Uh, There's two types, A and B. Usually A is worse than B. Um, So how the flu works and how pretty much any, you you can relate this to any virus um or not really diseases they they are different but anyways you can relate this to any virus um what happens is those viral particles attach to your mucosal lining and then they try to enter a cell once they enter that cell they make a ton of babies that cell literally explodes once there are so many viral particle babies in it Once that cell explodes, then they spread everywhere. They spread into a million more cells. Um, And so once that happens, the body starts to develop what we call cytokines. Um, So I'm not trying to interrupt or anything. So when, like, the virus basically explodes, is that why people say that they feel it? suddenly like it feels like a train just hit them all of a sudden yeah so like um recently I was sick and it literally started it was the weirdest thing I thought I had swallowed water down the wrong pipe because I just had this random wet cough it just developed just in my throat just there um and so what happens is these cytokines that are created from our body, it's not from the virus. Our body creates these. These cytokines are what causes our symptoms. The virus doesn't cause it. It's our body's response. So mm-hmm. our body's response causes the stuffy nose or the sore throat um, or the fatigue or the muscle aches. It depends on the amount and severity of your cytokine development. Um, so the way that I read to describe this is like cytokines are weapons of mass destruction um, in the body. They don't really have any particular fight. They just, you know, storm out and want to kill and attack everything. Um, And what happens whenever these viruses become lethal is whenever those cytokines go unchecked by any other cellular structure. So they overwhelm the lungs, they overwhelm the kidneys, they overwhelm your liver, they overwhelm your heart. These cytokine cells overwhelm everything, which causes massive organ failure and that death that can be Oh good. Yeah, that can occur from Love that. From yeah, that can occur from <laughs> unchecked 
um, viral particles in the body. So what happens is the uh, microbiological way to keep this cytokine storm from taking over and create and creating havoc in your body is there are three main vitamins that literally change your cellular structure. So it's vitamin A, vitamin D and vitamin C. This is where I'm going to kind of like insert one of our, um, Articles. So you're going to find this Dr. Fit article. Don't pay attention to the Dr. Fit. That's her actual name. It's not like, you know, fitness person. Her actual name is Dr. Fit. Um, Her article describes exactly what I'm telling you, probably a little more intelligently, but it's... um, You're intelligent. Come on. (laughs) I'm just breaking it down on an easy level. Um, but it describes vitamin A, D, and C and what they do. And I'm just going to go through a quick little run, run around of what it does. So vitamin A keeps your cell locked. If a virus cannot enter your cell, it cannot replicate. So we can't have it enter and then explode. So it's the, if you have a high enough vitamin A, a strong enough cellular structure, you, a, a virus literally can't replicate within your body. Um, so basically if we not, sorry, I'm not trying to interrupt you, but, um, so basically that's why when you get any kind of like, um, viral infection, like you have to, well, I don't know about anybody else, but you just have to take the largest dose of freaking vitamin A possible. Yes. So that is, yes. So you could either, you know, I mean, I don't know how healthy you guys are. I like cheese sticks and milkshakes, but if you, Um, same, (laughs) if you not fit (laughs) daily, eat your dark leafy greens, your orange, red and yellow produce, then you might have sufficient vitamin A levels. That's where you're going to get your natural vitamin A. If not, and if you start to experience a viral illness, what you can do is take 400,000 IU. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the actual description of the unit, but 400,000 of vitamin A for two days. And that will cause your body to abort the infection because your cells will be locked pretty much. Viral particles will that not be so able to crazy. I know. I know. So here's the rest. So then... If the viral particle doesn't die, it will still be noticed by immune cells, not cytokines, but immune cells. It's, it's, we have so many different cells in our body. It's really incredible what we can do without, in, in just blatant honesty, without the pharmaceutical industry. Um, Mm -hmm. It will still be noticed by these immune cells. This is where the steroidal vitamin, vitamin D stimulates the production of cali no hang on catholic catholicidins we're just gonna say the calf um the cat sounds great there we go because <laughs> the I, I, i've worked on um pronouncing these anyways these different types of cells the calf cells destroy and kill bacteria and viral particles so if a virus is active You can take 50,000 to 100,000 IU of vitamin D for two days, and that will abort the virus. So say you're taking the vitamin A and you still just have that tickle in your throat. 
you've taken it for two days and there's still just something hanging around. You've got a few cytokines reacting to these viral particles trying to enter your cells. If you add on this vitamin D, it will go out and kill the viral particles. Now, why would you do vitamin A if vitamin D can just go kill these particles? Well, here's the Mm -hmm. thing. You're not going to know you have viral particles until they start entering your cell. So by the time that you realize it, you've got to go ahead and get the vitamin A on board so that you can re-establish the walls of those cells. Um, And then last but not least, uh, vitamin C. It is directly toxic to viruses. This vitamin improves the function of macrophages, which patrol the bloodstream for bacteria. Um, if a macrophage encounters a viral particle, it breaks them down into antigens. Here is the big part of the whole herd immunity and immunity myth in general. Um, naturally, we can have herd immunity because what mm-hmm. our body does is it these macrophages break down the viral particles. They break them into antigens. Our B cells or another word for them, immune cells, then use these antigens to make antibodies, <clears throat> antibodies. Um, vaccines do not create this the way that they work, which that's a story for another day. I can just tell you, <laughs> they work on one side of the immune system. There are two sides. There's a cellular side and, and, and a, and another side, pretty much. I, I can't go into a ton of detail without going way deep into a rabbit hole. Um, But it will be another discussion for another day. Just know that your vitamin C, you want all three of these. A is going to protect your cell. D is going to kill the particles um, just kind of hanging out around the cells. And C is going to turn these particles into antigens so that we can create antibodies and fight off this virus again in the future without having to go through the whole A, D, C, blah, 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 blah. Um, Gotcha. So, okay, if those, so we can take vitamins, of course, but what about um, elderberry syrup? What, how does that benefit, I guess, the immune system? So elderberry is packed with um, vitamin C, also, um, hang on and let me look, it is... I forgot this part. Um, Really quick, though, I will tell you, I am not an only um, vitamins and elderberry person. If you or your child are running significant fever and you are symptomatic or your child is symptomatic, meaning you are lethargic, um, they do not want to eat. They do not want to get out of bed. Medicate fevers. What I suggest as an ER nurse is to let your children run fever up to 102 if they have no issues running fever. If your children have had febrile seizures before, then I would suggest 101. Start medicating. Um, At 102.5, you can start medicating. Um, But letting the body run the fever will allow your body to fight that virus better. Um, but each child is different. Each person is different. Um, so 
if your kid's not acting symptomatic, if they're running, you know, 102 fever and they're still running around and having fun and doing great, that's fine. Let them run the fever. Just monitor. And that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest fight that people are having with these parents right now who are like, oh, they didn't take them to the doctor. Well, that has nothing to do with an anti-vax community or a, you know, pro-natural medicine community. That has to do with delayed response. Monitor yourself, monitor your kids, monitor fluid intake, monitor fevers throughout the night. And that means, yes, wake up every two hours and check your kid's fever. Right. Because they can So as far, as far as medicating, you're meaning as in like ibuprofen and Motrin? Yes. You want to stay okay. away from Tylenol. Um, right. It delete or depletes glutathione, glutathione. I think it's glutathione, um, which helps your body process the fighting particles of the immune system um, to kind of replenish and keep fighting. Um, you do not, that that's part of your body's defense and Tylenol depletes it. So right. you want to stick to ibuprofen. If ibuprofen is not controlling it, you can always do cool tempered baths, um, cold liquids, ice cream, popsicles. If worse comes to worse. Um, add in one dose of Tylenol if it'll help knock it out. Once you knock it out, if you have a quick rising fever that you have a kid, like I, my, my oldest, her fevers spike within like 15 minutes and she throws up. I never know she has a fever until she throws up. It's the craziest thing. But once she does that, I have to monitor hers every two hours. We have to stay in the bath, um, do ibuprofen because I don't put Tylenol on top of them. I just stay really, really on top of it. So if you can't, or if they're going to daycare, if they're with grandma or whatever, just be sure you're alternating the meds and doing everything um, external or what I call manual. I have worked in the ER and I would have nurses and doctors look at me crazy whenever I would be applying cool rags to armpits and groins of kids who are seizing. And my answer is always Tylenol, ibuprofen. It's going to take 30 to 45 minutes to start affecting this fever. But these groin and armpit areas, they are lymph systems that will cool their temperature manually much faster. It starts immediately. Um, hmm. So you can always do that stuff. It does work. It is proven. Please do not, you know, just push to the side things that you can do for your kid immediately. Um, if they have a high fever spike, Put them in that cool bath, apply cool rags to the neck, armpits, groin, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, oh, I've pulled up um, this <clears throat> about elderberry. Um, it has a ton of B vitamins. It has phytochemicals such as carotenoids. Carotenoids are part of that vitamin A. Um, that's pretty much what a carotenoid is. Um, phytosteroids, phytosterols, sorry. Um, it's got cubes. So basically elderberry syrup is just like, it's like slam packed with vitamins. Yeah. Right. Okay. Just everything wonderful, honestly. So you just can't, I mean, you're not doing any harm if you're adding, elderberry on top of your vitamin intake no so what what i would do um there is a vitamin c protocol 
that you can look up and find. I will post a link to it, but um, it sketches a lot of people out because it's literally like 10 to 20,000 um, milligrams of vitamin C a day. What I did whenever I got sick was I took a vitamin C packet every other hour and I did a shot of elderberry syrup every other hour and I did my vitamins A and D every four hours and within 24 hours I went from almost 103 fevers extremely symptomatic to no fever and just a cough which that cough was from not the flu I had a doctor tell me I had histoplasmosis which is something that has nothing to do with this so the cough wasn't even related to the flu pretty much but within 24 hours my symptoms were completely resolved whenever I started pushing all that stuff at once Um, Mm -hmm. and it was the same for my sister-in-law and a couple of other friends who told me they were like oh I think I'm coming down the flu down with the flu and I was like okay this is what I tried you can try it if it works great if not let me know. I'll bring you some chicken noodle soup. Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I'm here to support and educate. So if you guys don't like something that, or an idea or a lesson, let me know and we will try and figure out a better way or a different way to do it that you like better, that works for you better because not everything works the same for everyone. Right. Um, so. All right. Should we get on to. But we knocked out flu- treatment with that. So. Yeah. Well, what about the actual, let's talk about the flu shot and let's get into the shot and the spray. Okay, so um, the little bit of info that I gathered for shot and spray is just the recommendations. So it says, you know, six months and older, you can have the shot or the live nasal spray. Um, The live nasal spray has been discouraged for the last two seasons because it is known to make people sick <laughs> um kind of common sense it's a live nasal mm. spray hello NTAs. <laughs> um the other recommendation is and i found this interesting guys so if you're six months to eight years old you're going to require two doses if this is your first ever round of the flu shot or You've only ever received one round. So say you're a six-year-old kid and you've received one round each year. And the doctor says, oh, you've never received your two rounds. This year, you'll receive two rounds. Why? There's no reasoning. I've looked it up. There's no study. There's no nothing. They just say, oh, get these two doses if you've only ever had one round up until eight years old. After eight years old... It doesn't really matter anymore. Um, Your contraindications for the shot are going to be egg allergies, history of um, Guillain-Barre syndrome, if you're in your first trimester of pregnancy, if you're immunosuppressed or on long-term aspirin therapy. Um, Your aspirin therapy folks are going to be like strokes, heart folks, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, okay, okay. um, That's, yeah, pretty much just blood thinners. But you're not those are contraindications for the flu shot other than that everyone their mom their cat and their dog per cdc should get the flu shot because um that's the number one way to prevent getting the flu well here's something fun um and i think i posted this study if i didn't i will go back and post it i read in 1997 
I think I just turned 27. I don't know. Um, three kids aged five to one. And my kids are part of this generation that is becoming sick and unstable. My five-year-old, who is almost fully vaccinated, she will get the same sickness my two-year-old does. My five-year-old will run fever of up to 104 for nine to 10 days. My two-year-old will run fever of up to 100.5 for about 48 hours. Um, my one-year-old, she is exactly one in a few weeks, um, she started developing a sickness. My husband was like, oh my gosh, she got sick from blah, 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 blah. And the gym or the church or the this or whatever. And what do you know, three days later, all I did with her was saline spray and suction her nose, keep her kind of clean, gave her a little bit of vitamin C one day, three days later, no fever, no runny nose, a slight cough with some chest congestion, but it's all gone. I mean, that's whenever you don't vaccinate your kids, they have immune systems to fight this stuff off. My five-year-old stays sick all flu season, all spring. Some of the summer, she gets a little break during the fall. She stays sick with respiratory, nose, ears. While her sisters, she keeps giving it back to her sisters, and they have it for 24 to maybe 72 hours, and then they're better. They're better. They, They don't run the fevers. They don't get the antibiotics. They don't have a single vaccine. They got vitamin K at birth. That's all. Um, and it's just shocking at how sick some of these vaccinated kids are. Some kids aren't affected at all by vaccines. Um, they are able to develop that really strong immune system. Their immune system accepts what's being entered. It builds, it works. Um, but I would dare to say more often than not, are we damaging our kids with the current CDC schedule, not just with vaccines. Vaccines are not, you know, I'm not just with the schedule of it all. Current schedule with the massive assault at two months, four months, six months, 12 months, 18 months that we are putting on our kids anywhere from four to nine viruses at once. Uh, These, these immune systems that aren't 25% developed can't handle it more often than not. Um, in my opinion (laughs) yeah a lot of opinions actually well okay so what about Tamiflu Ooh, I was wondering what else we had to talk about I forgot about that um yeah let's chat about that girl (laughs) so friends um Tamiflu was brought out in the 90s it was um, all of its studies were funded by the pharmaceutical company making profits off of its proposed um, administration, the government. Well, <laughs> so the company that first created Tamiflu urged the government to do a massive stockpile. This medication, this antiviral medicine um, is so great. It's going to save lives. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. Well, dear friends, in about the last five years, people have called um, called these companies out, pretty much. Called this company out. Called the CDE, CDC out. Called everybody out about Tamiflu and this antiviral medication. Um, I wish I could pull up the same, I'm sorry, the same 
study that I had. Let me see. Can I? Can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay. Because I have to go back to my other links to find. Um, and I think I did post this link, you guys, about Tamiflu. Yeah. Majority of the links that um, actually have a lot of the information we've talked about is posted on our page. So... Yeah, so go check them out, and if they're definitely check those out. Anything specifically that you are looking for a link for, if there's any subject, any shot, any um, adverse reaction that you're specifically wanting to learn about, please message us, comment, um, do whatever, and I will do whatever research I can. Um, oh, hey, and you know what? We actually have a email account, so like, oh, if yeah. y'all kind of don't, if y'all want to, I guess, remain anonymous, you can just send us an email. The email address is informeddecisionspodcast at gmail dot com. I know it's kind of long, but I figured it's pretty easy to remember, so. Just send us all of your stuff if you're wanting to remain out of the spotlight on our group page or just if you hear this podcast. All right. So I have up this study. Um, Well, it's kind of like an article, but it's still a study. It's from the Indian Journal of Pharmacology. The Tamiflu fiasco and lessons learned is the... um, the little title of this dandy it says lessons learned yes it says <laughs> lessons learned which i totally discredited i was like oh this is gonna be a joke but it's not yeah. i think it's just indian people being super cool honestly trying um, to be southern yeah man <laughs> so here's here's the deal Serious adverse events, especially neuropsychiatric events associated with Tamiflu, started getting reported, leading to a cascade of questions on clinical utility of this drug. A recent Cochrane review and related articles have questioned the risk-to-benefit ratio of the drug, besides raising doubts about the regulatory decision of approving it. So what happened with the approval is... um, it was first approved in 1999. In 2005 and 2009, the looming fear of the pandemic flu led to this super um, kind of sped up recommendation to regulate the use of this drug when it wasn't really approved for as widespread use as they were getting ready to do. This whole, you know, pandemic scare by the media led the World Health Organization, the WHO, the CDC, um, and European medicine agencies to pretty much like... Uh, Put it on the fast track. Fast to, track. There yeah. I couldn't think of that word. Um, to stockpile this medicine everywhere. So then what ended up happening um so it was proposed to be effective in seasonal flu through its seemingly routine regulatory process roche or roche a pharmaceutical company launched launched tamiflu um after the u.s fda approval then european medicines agency soon followed suit the chrono the chronology 
of its clinical development is given in um, this table on this link right here on this uh, study that we have posted to the page. Um, okay, cool. Serious adverse events were first reported coming out from post-marketing from Japan, UK, and several other places. Um, here we go. Here's a nice sentence. It is inexplicable that despite the lack of scientifically robust data on efficacy and safety of Tamiflu, reputed organizations like the WHO, the World Health Organization, the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, EMA and the U.S. FDA not only recommend the drug in question for treatment and prophylaxis of influenza, but it's stockpiling as well. Y'all, there are lawsuits going on right now about the fraud of Tamiflu and how our government has spent billions on this drug that has been proven here lately. And all of the studies have come out. They're fraudulent. They're fake. Everything that they are proposed to do, they don't do. All right, so here is a nice little um, section. It says about flu and Tamiflu. But in this article, it's also Tamivir. I'm just going to keep saying Tamiflu because I don't want to keep saying the O word. So <laughs> about flu and Tamiflu. Seasonal flu is a contagious viral infection which usually follows a mild course. Occasionally complications come up um and then death yeah well actually that's not what this one says i mean it says occasionally when the cdc and the media are like you're gonna die if you don't get the flu shot and tamiflu Mm -hmm. you're just gonna um this one says occasionally and he Hmm. said and it and it also says the cause may be secondary bacterial illness or natural course Um, wow Yeah, so they actually admit in this lovely Indian journal the truth that, you know, true issues rarely come from the flu. So anyways, Tamiflu is a analog. It restrains viral population to one generation. It's supposed to decrease viral load and so contain the infection and its outcomes. Um. What ends up happening is in the 90s, Roche sponsored 40 clinical trials. One trial that formed a strong argument in favor was a randomized control published in the year 2000. Um, in In this randomized control trial conducted on otherwise healthy patients, the authors concluded that early initiation within 36 hours of treatment reduced illness duration by 30% and severity by 40%, um, which all looks great until you realize that there was no formalized criteria used to define any secondary or primary infections. No formalized criteria in science terms this means that this study was a crock of crap. It was not, um, it's just a crock. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Um, I like that. They also, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I mean, what? Oh, another study. It's, it's, you know, great. It reports a, um, 
shortening of the duration of the illness, but however, did not report the adverse effects associated. So pretty much they gave you the good and they hid the bad. Mm-hmm. Here's another meta-analysis concluded. Well, isn't that how it all goes? Like, you have to go down the biggest rabbit hole just to find any, like, true study on anything. Because it's so buried. Yes, and that's what people are like, you know, I saw this post the other day about how McKeeley from Facebook says to do this, this, and this, and I had to message someone and be like, you realize <laughs> we ain't going off McKeeley from Facebook. <laughs> Like, I myself have sent you scientific studies, not only from the CDC, but the NCBI, the American uh, Pediatricians uh, Association. I've sent you scientific studies. I've sent you scholarly articles, peer-reviewed studies. You know this isn't McKeeley. This is true McKinley, McKeeley. Yeah, it was like... McDaley... Yeah. <laughs> can a dialy? I don't know. Yeah. However no. many letters you can put in a name. They whatever. Hippie chick over here with the I don't know. Whatever. I don't care. I'm getting on a rant. The deal is <laughs> they hide true science, guys. They've been hiding All it the for time. years. Four oh. years. So what we're trying to do, Becca and myself, we're adamant we are We're bringing it all to the light. We slapping people with science, man. Heck yeah. In the face. Slippity slap. Slippity. (laughs) Oh my God. Slippity slap. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my word. Yeah, pretty much. Well, hey, while we're, okay, so to get back on the flu. Sorry. It's okay. No, I was right there with you. But. So, we always see that, you know, people get the flu shot, but then they still get the flu. Oh, let's talk about this, friends. All right. Okay. Yes, let's. (laughs) The science and medical community tells you, go get your flu shot. You say, okay, I got my flu shot. Now I feel like junk. And they're like, oh, congratulations. You're having what we call an immune response yeah all right friends well let me tell you what that immune response does for you it makes you sick friends um what happens is your immune system is dropped due to the virus entering your body like i said it works on one side of the immune system not both so it does not allow your body to develop the antigens to create the antibodies it just doesn't it just doesn't do it pretty much just flat honesty so you have that little immune response your immune system dips you feel junky what happens in that 48 hours to seven days of immune response is you go out and have breakfast with uh with sherry and she's got a little bit of a karen with karen you go have (laughs) breakfast with karen guys she's got a little bit of a cough but it's nothing that's why she still came to have lunch with you breakfast sorry we're at breakfast um you leave breakfast the next morning you're coughing like a madman because why her little bitty particles of her little cough are attacking your weakened immune system that is why 4.8 you if you get vaccinated for the flu you have a 4.8 times greater chance 
of developing upper respiratory infection because of that lovely immune response for two to seven days after the shot, any exposure to any illness you are going to acquire, whether it is small or big, you're going to acquire it. So no, the flu shot does not give you the flu. But if you go hang out with, um, I keep wanting to say Becky, but you're Becca. I don't uh, know. Yes. Let's with Diane, not refer you want, to, you want to, <laughs> to go Karen. Hang out with, you want to go hang out with Diane and guess what? Your immune system's lowered from the, from the flu shot. She was exposed to the flu 48 hours ago, but she doesn't quite feel it yet. But she's got those particles in her system. She's spitting them out of her mouth, talking to you, slurring her words, whatever. Guess what? <laughs> she's out of control. Guess what? <laughs> Diane's giving you the flu because of your lovely immune response. Your immune system's now lowered. And so your body's not going to fight off the flu. So yes, you get the flu within a week of getting the flu shot because... And then you your go get Tamiflu. And then you go get the lovely team of flu that causes all kinds of problems. Um, <sighs> also, fun fact about being vaccinated against the flu. Receiving the flu vaccine, you are proven to spread aerosol particles 6.8 times more frequently than someone not vaccinated. This goes, and I'm going to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole for just a second, guys. This goes to every freaking vaccine. Every single one. You get the MMR, guess what? You can shed the measles to kids through your poop or your spit for up to six weeks. There's a reason recently vaccinated children are not allowed on cancer units. They're not wanted at nursing homes. Because guess what? Those vaccines being injected into that muscle, then develops those viral particles within that body. Those viral particles can be spread through blood, spit. It just depends on what virus you're talking about, which way it's spread. It can be spread after vaccination. The child who is not vaccinated, guess what? They can't spread anything they've never been injected with. And if they have a strong enough immune system, if their parents give them the vitamins and the foods they need, their body will reject that virus in the beginning and they won't spread it at all. It'll shut it down. So if you want to get on a fun little rant, just a little uh, food for thought. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the vaccinated versus unvaccinated and who's safer. Which we can actually cover that. We need to do like a, um, we can cover like another, another. Yeah. We will discuss another really long session. I will tell you which vaccines shed, which ones don't, but you still need to be aware of and careful with. Um, If you choose to vaccinate, I will tell you, you know, your timeframes of when you need to stay away from people, when you need, when you're fine, because you will be fine. It's not like you're some dirty person who's vaccinated. Vaccinated people are just as fine (laughs) as unvaccinated, vice versa. Unvaccinated, just as fine as vaccinated. Um, but there are precautions you need to take with different things. So just, so what about the flu shot? Does the flu shot, do you shed with that? So with the live, um, nasal spray, yes, they do admit actually to shedding. Um, it sheds, you can sneeze and blow it all over everybody (laughs) because it's a live virus. They're so smart. They're so smart, (laughs) y'all. Oh my God. Okay. So anyways. Um, but with the flu virus, no, you're not going to shed flu particles, but you kind of are pretty much, 
like once your body starts developing those antigens and those viral particles are going throughout your body, creating that immune response. You have the viral particles within your system. Your body may be fighting it off, but you still have those particles in your mucosal linings. You can still sneeze on somebody, not have the flu, but give it to them. Yes, absolutely. You can. Um, Hmm. They're not going to tell you that, but it's just, it's just freaking science guys. It's just common sense. When you start looking at the, at the science behind it, and no, it's not common sense to Joe Blow on the side of the street. But if you do educate yourself, you will see these trends. You will see these facts come to life. And you'll be shocked at how basic um, health can be without the use of overbearing prophylactic and pharmaceutical treatment. Now, prophylaxis is great whenever it's vitamins and healthy foods and water intake and rest. Um Pharmaceutical companies are great whenever we have things like, you know, cancer or heart disease. Um, They're a little overrated, but they are good. We do need them for certain things in life uh, because sometimes the body just doesn't work the way it should. I, I will be the first to say the body doesn't always work like it should. So, yes, we still need the pharmaceutical companies to an extent. We still need doctors and physicians to help us guide us through our um our physical ailments and disadvantages i'm not anti-medicine i'm not anti-pharma i am anti-government control and right now mississippi is one of the most controlled states in our nation um and i'm pro-choice pro Pro research, pro education. I want everybody to know all that they can to protect themselves and their families. So, as do we all. Back out of the rabbit hole. I apologize. <laughs> uh, was there anything else? I can't remember. I think that that's it. I think that we pretty much covered everything. Um, and I guess. Um, if there's any questions or concerns, we can just be contacted directly on our page. Or like I said earlier, you can shoot us an email on our cool new little email address. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> We're professionals. Excuse us. <laughs> Live. All right. Um, okay. Well, thank you all so much. If you're still listening, you're a freaking trooper. Um, Heck yeah. We appreciate you. We cherish Definitely. You, and we want you guys to start sharing any information that you find useful. Anything that yes. you learn, share it, guys. And if you have people having problems with it, tag us. Let us be your defenders. Let us be your supporters. Um, yeah. And if y'all, whoever. like, actually read an article or something like that and you're just trying to basically debunk it or see if it's actually from a reliable source let us know like we might actually know if that's a reliable source or not because i know when it's kind of no it's okay go ahead there are studies that i have seen that do shed positive light on some vaccines so please know that yes there will be good things about vaccines out there vaccines were initially a very good science they were a very good theory um yeah so send it to us any pro-vaccine stuff that you find that's not an opinion 
that's not media based, that is true scientific, send it to us so we can start talking about it because I'm not on just one side of this, y'all. I promise. No way. We're just trying to give facts and that's it. Like, we're not going to feed you just the bad facts. It's going to be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. That way it's just out all out there. Absolutely. All right. Well, all right. Well, that's it for us. For doing all of this for all of of everyone. Thanks for letting me teach a little bit because it's a passion. (laughs) You are the teacher and I'm just the sponge absorbing it all. (laughs) No, you're like the, what, what would we call you? Um, Oh, what would we call you? What would you're like the administrator to it all? No, okay. You make it all happen. Oh, uh, whatever. Like reading studies and playing on a computer. No, you're teaching. All right. Well, that's it for us. Thank y'all for listening, and right. we will um, check back in with y'all next week. Thanks, guys. Let us know if you have any questions or comments. All right. Bye. Bye.